Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. All right, chapter number four, and um, uh, look at verse number uh, seven, please, if you will. The Bible says, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay the debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Our Father, we pray that you might bless now. Help us, dear God. We need the presence of God about us today. We need the unction of the Holy Ghost. We need, dear God, to speak with power today. And I praise your name for all that you do for us. Help us, lead us, guide us today, and direct our thoughts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now you may be seated and turn back to 1 Kings and chapter number 19. Now, uh, I want to just read a few verses to you uh, out of chapter number 19 of 1 Kings and beginning in uh, verse number 19, it says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphath, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah, Elijah and ministered unto him. Now, when you get home today, uh, you read in chapter number 4 of Second Kings and you'll find out that 11 times in this chapter, God referred to Elisha as a man of God. Now, we've had some things happen in recent weeks. Uh, uh, men in high places have found themselves wrapped up in sin. And this has caused a, 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 a lack of credibility among preachers and and uh, folk look at preachers now and they begin to doubt when they look at them and uh, uh, they begin to lose respect for uh, the man of God. This ought not so to be, brethren. Now, I believe the greatest calling that a man can ever have is to be called of God. I pray that there are some young men or some older men for that matter seated in this congregation today who will 
perk up their ears and listen to this message about the man of God. Think of it, 11 times in this chapter, God calls Elisha a man of God. Now, he didn't call him just a preacher. He called him a man of God. He didn't call him just an evangelist. He called him a man of God. He didn't call him just a, a missionary, but he called him a man of God. He didn't call him just a prophet, but he called him a man of God. I think it's important this morning to know that there's something unusual about the man that stands behind the sacred desk of God. Throughout the Bible, God speaks to preachers as men of God. In the, in the Bible, uh, Paul uh, said to Timothy, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Now, a man may be a preacher and not be a man of God. A man may preach, but yet not speak for God. Now, this chapter tells us and demonstrates to us what a man of God, Brother Bazzi, really is. You see, when I preach this morning, you need to take a look inside of your heart to see, first of all, young man or older man, if God is calling you to preach. And then while I preach this morning, you need to look at your pastor and say, hey, does he measure up to the standards that God has set forth in the Bible. Is my preacher just a preacher or is he a man of God? Now this chapter tells us about what a man of God really is. Romans 11 says this. It says, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle uh, to the Gentiles or of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any man's means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Now I want you to notice the words magnify mine office. Now, uh, folk, I want you to know this. I believe you need to have respect for the man of God. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe the highest calling that man will ever have is to be called to be a man of God. I, I don't like for people, now listen to me, I, I want you to hear this. I don't like for men of God to be called by their first name. I, I don't like that. I, uh, uh, there, there, there's a woman in this city used to come to this church. She no longer come. I preached on the charismatics one Sunday morning over here and almost $300 in tithe money. I, I mean this, this. This was back when we really needed the help. This was back there when we were struggling and just about to go under. And uh, I preached on charismatics one day, and I, and I, and I laid the, that crowd low, Brother Jerry, and almost $300 got up and walked out and said, Bye-bye, we can't take that kind of preaching. Now, I've seen that woman in other places, she and her husband, since then, and she calls me Bill. Now, I, I've known her uh, for a number of years. I don't call her by her first name, and I think the next time, made up my mind, the next time she does this, I'm going to say, Mrs. So-and-so, 
Um, I've been knowing you now about eight years, and I've never called you by your first name, and I want you to show some respect for the pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and you call me Brother Bill, you call me pastor, you call me preacher, uh, don't call me. I mean, you, listen, show some respect for the man of God behind the pulpit. I had a young lad one day here at this church. He walked up behind me and said, Hey, Bill. I turned around. I said, What did you say? He said, I said, Hey, Bill. I said, Son, don't ever call me by my first name again. I said, Now, I want you to have some respect for the pastor of your church. Now, Brother Loy uh, and Brother Jimmy, I may talk to them, Loy and Jimmy, uh, when we're around, but I mean in the church, I may slip up every now and then, but most of the time, it's Brother Lord. Most of the time, it's Brother Jimmy. They fill a position uh, in this church of deacon. That's, that's an office in this church, and you ought to show respect. Now, I don't want to be just a preacher. I don't want to be just an evangelist. I don't want to be just a missionary. I don't want to be just a, a mouthpiece. I want to be a man of God, Brother Frank. Now, I want you to notice uh, uh, several things now about the man of God. Number one, you might want to write these down. I'm going to cover two this morning, and then I'm going to come back tonight and cover the last five things in this message. I know already I've been preaching now 10 minutes and I just got through the introduction. So I want to give you two things this morning about the man of God. Number one, he is divinely called. Mark it down. The man of God is divinely called. Now think about Elijah. Elijah had been upon Mount Carmel. Elijah had called down the fire of God out of heaven. And Elijah had defeated the prophets of Baal. And then if you keep reading back there, you'll find out that there came uh, a, a woman on the scene by the name of Jezebel. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that he had just defeated all those prophets of Baal and then one lousy, stinking, loud-mouthed woman uh, put him to flight. And he ran down and got under the juniper tree and he said, Lord, this is enough. I, I can't take this. Just let me die. He just got so depressed, he sat down under the juniper tree and said, I want to die. And then you remember that God sent, um, uh, you find him in a cave and, and, and uh, God sent a, a, an angel to come and minister unto him. And uh, boy, he must have fed him good because he ate a ma meal. And the Bible says he got up and went away 40 days and 40 nights in the strength of that meal. Boy, I'd like to get a hold of a meal like that. I could probably lose some weight on that. But Elijah, you see him there in the cave and in the mouth of the cave. And then God said, hey, I want you to anoint a king over Israel. And I want you to anoint a king over Judah. And then he said, I want you to anoint Elisha to be prophet in thy room or in thy stead. He said, I want a man to come on the scene, a man of God, and I want you to anoint Elisha. Now, God knew who he was going to anoint. I mean, God uh, 
uh, doesn't do anything happenstance. God already knew this was his prophet. He already knew this was his creature. He already knew this was his man. He picked out Elisha. He, uh, he already knew that there was something different about this man called Elisha. Now, uh, I'm thrilled. Listen, I'm thrilled when I read uh, about old Elisha that was called a priest. The Bible said, listen, the Bible said that Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, God describes it like this. He said that there was 11 oxen out in front. And if you'll get the, uh, somebody that knows the Hebrew and uh, can, can, uh, can read that for you, it literally means that Elisha was the twelfth one. In other words, Elisha had 11 oxen there, and he was plowing just like he was the twelfth oxen. He, now, I'll tell you something. You've got to have respect for a man that'll just pitch in there and get the job done like Elisha was doing and pull. Listen, he got in there and went to work, Brother Dennis, and pulled just like one of those oxen. Now, God's looking for men like that. Amen. God's looking for men who are, are busy men. Uh, have you ever, you ever noticed you want something done uh, if you want to get it done, get somebody that's busy to do it, and it'll get done. Amen. You see somebody sitting around not doing anything, uh, chances are they're never going to do anything. Chances are they're not never going to get busy. They're, they're never going to get out and stir anybody up. Now, God likes men and women who are busy, busy, busy. Now, D.L. Moody was a man like that. I've been listening to the Moody Broadcasting Station out of Oak Hill. And I listen, it comes on uh, every day around 2.30. And it uh, talks about great preachers. And they've been on Dwight Lehman Moody and telling about his life. I, I heard something this past week. I'll just throw this out. His song leader. Who was his song leader? Somebody tell me who Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody's song leader. Anybody know? Ira Sankey. I didn't know this, but one day Ira Sankey was uh, in a meeting with Brother Moody, and they were in uh, in England, and he had just preached a great message in a service, and uh, uh, he turned around to Ira Sankey and said, Brother Sankey, would you come and minister us with a song that is suitable for the occasion? Ira Sankey said, uh, I didn't have anything. He said, I'd cut a poem out of a paper that day and just put it in my pocket. He said, I sat down at the piano and uh, he said, God impressed me to sing that poem that I saw in the paper. And he said, I sat down and, and literally the music flowed from Ira Sankey. And he sat down at the piano and began to sing. There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. And it, it just, just flowed from him. And, uh, and he got through with that verse. And then it said uh, he was talking in the first person in the program there and in the story. And he said, uh, I sung the first verse. And then he bowed his head very quickly and prayed and said, Oh God, let the words and music fit to the second verse. 
And then he began to sing that second verse all the way through. These were great men of God. They were busy men. D.L. Moody was a busy man. I remember reading about how D.L. Moody would go out and find little boys and girls and bring them into his Sunday school class. God saw in him the zeal of Paul and the energy of the apostle Peter. And God said, there's a man that I can use. And he chose D.L. Moody to be a man of God. I heard a story one day about D.L. Moody when he was a Sunday school teacher. He was a big man. Even, even Dr. Howells in his, in his old age now is getting to be a big preacher. Did you know he said, I don't tell him I said so, but he's putting on weight all the time. Do you know from one year to the other he had gained 15 pounds from last year until this year? And if he comes back next year, he'll probably be gained another 15, 20, or 30 pounds. It seems to go on easier the older you get. But I heard about D.L. Moody, big man, big beard on his face and so forth. And uh, uh, he, he was running down the streets one day. Uh, uh, he had forgotten, uh, rather he was visiting, walking down the street. He'd forgotten the, the address of one of his little Sunday school boys. And he saw him, Brother Dallas, running down the street. And he took in after him. Just to run it. And that little boy didn't, uh, he took off running, you know, and he was scared of that big man behind him. D.O. Moody run, turned down an alley. That little fellow was just a getting it. He was right behind him, circle around the building, back up through the alley, up a flight of steps. The little boy burst into his apartment, ran in, and climbed up under the bed, and right underneath the bed went D.L. Moody with him and got under there and said, Son, I'm your Sunday school teacher. Now listen, that's the kind of man that God can use. That's a that's the kind of man that will get something done for the glory and for the honor of of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was divinely called. Listen, one thing a preacher ought to know is that he is divinely called. Amen. Elisha was put to the test. Old Elijah, Brother Frank, put him to the test. He said, uh, Elisha said, hey, let me go kiss my mama and my daddy goodbye. Old Elijah said, hey, you want to kiss mama and daddy goodbye, you just go on back. I can't use you. Just, just forget the whole thing. And Elisha said, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. I believe I'll change my mind. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take two of these oxen right here and I'm going to kill them and we're going to have a big supper. And then he took all of his plows. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he took all of his plows and instruments of farming and built a, a big fire and killed a yoke of oxen there and, 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 and just uh, give up everything. And the Bible says that he arose and went after Elijah and, and, uh, and ministered unto him. Listen, Elisha never got over his divine call that came from God Almighty. He left it. He burned every bridge behind him. He couldn't go back. He, he just let the whole thing go, burned all of his uh, bridges behind him and said, I'm just going to sell out and go on and serve God. He was a man of God. Now, uh, I've heard some men in the, in the preaching, I'm a preacher, but I sell automobiles on the side. I'm a preacher, 
but really I sell bonds. I, I'm a preacher, but I'm really a church building builder. Listen, you know what God's interested in? God's interested in this, this old book right here. God's interested in some men who will set out entirely and say, hey, I don't care about that past life anymore. I want to serve God. I am divinely called. I'm sin of God. I never will forget when I was ordained into the ministry. I have been so scared in all my life. I think, and I want you to know, I was in there, Mrs. Burr, I think about five or six hours. I, I, they grilled me on everything that you can think of. I mean, I had to tell them about the dispensations of time. I had to tell them about uh, uh, the, the Old Testament and how, uh, how God brought Israel into existence. I, I mean, listen, they grilled me and grilled me and grilled me and grilled me and I was scared to death. And finally, listen, finally at the close of that ordination service, old preacher said this to me. He said, Brother Bill, suppose we don't ordain you today. My heart fell. I mean, listen, I, it fell. I was so afraid. He said, suppose we don't ordain you today into the ministry. What are you going to do about that? And I stood up and I started to cry. My heart was tender. And I said, sir, I appreciate what you're doing for me. And I appreciate what Carol Memorial Baptist Church is doing for me to ordain me. And I appreciate the hands of the godly men that would be laid upon me. But I want you to know that God called me to preach. And whether you ordain me or not, when I leave here today, I'll continue to preach the word of God. Amen. I, I saw a fellow one time, I heard about a man that asked another man, uh, he said, what do you do? He said, I'm a ball player. He said, uh, what team you on? He said, oh, I don't have a team. I'm just a ball. Now, he's not a ball player. I mean, listen, uh, you hear somebody say, well, I'm a preacher. Where do you preach? Well, I, I don't uh, have any particular place to preach. I, I'm not a pastor. Uh, There's some Sundays that I can't preach. Let me tell you something. Since I've been called to preach, I cannot think uh, of uh, many Sundays over all that period of time when I wasn't preaching somewhere. I've preached in jail houses. I've preached on street corners. I've preached in school houses. I've preached in homes. When I first got saved down in South Carolina, uh, over in Greensboro, then we moved to Lancaster, South Carolina, we used to go into homes and hold prayer meetings. I've preached before in little old homes where people had to stand outside the hall and listen to the man of God outside because there wasn't enough room to get inside. And folk got saved and they trusted God. I'm telling you, a man of God called to preach ought to be preaching somewhere all the time. Paul said in Galatians 1 and verse 15, I don't know whether I'm going to get through two of these things this morning or not. I'm going to try my best. Paul said in Galatians 1.15, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Listen, old Paul better know he's called. Amen. Every time he went to town, Paul, are you asleep? Huh? 
I believe I could run around this building one time. I, I, I feel sometimes like I just restrained up here. I want to jump up and down and, and holler and say, Preach it, preacher. Amen. God bless your sweetheart. Tell us about it. I do my own shouting every now and then too, you know, and amens and so forth. Listen, old Paul, when he went to town, first thing he did, he found out where the Hilton Hotel was. First thing he did when he moved into town was to find out where the Ramada Buffet was. And uh, Paul wanted to know where the, the elite crowd get. No, no, no. When Paul went to town, he said, hey, where, where's the, the, first, uh, the, the first United Jail House in this town? You say, why do you ask? Because that's probably where he's going to end up. I mean, he better know he was called of God. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was drug outside of town and left for dead. He was sealed up in that old mammoth time prison over there in Rome. I'm saying to you, listen, there was a lot of places that the Apostle Paul undoubtedly found some quitting places, but he never quit, Brother Frank. Somebody said one day, Brother Bill, you ever seen any quitting places? Yeah, I've seen a lot of them, bless your heart. But God called me. God put something in my heart. God put a fire down in my bone, and I can't quit. I, I've got to go on. I, I don't want to turn back. I don't want to be an ex-preacher. I don't want to be a has-been. I want to remain faithful to God because I've been divinely called of God. Listen, my mama didn't call me to be a preacher. I didn't have a school call me to be a preacher. I didn't have a denomination call me to be a preacher. I mean, listen, standing on a little four-by-four porch in a little old house down in Lancaster, South Carolina, I looked up to God one night about 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd wrestled with that thing all night long, finally got victory in my soul. And I said, yes, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll never talk about money to anybody. I'll preach the gospel. And by the grace of God, I'll not compromise. I'm saying to you, I've been divinely called of God. Preachers ought to be preaching. Number two, this man of God was a man not only divinely called, but you go back and you read about Elisha, and you'll find out that here was a man who believed in miracles. Miracles. Amen. Now, no wonder 11 times in that chapter God referred to Elisha as a man of God. He believed in miracles. Now, <laughs> I guess if there ever was a time in the Bible, if there ever was a time when a man could just about laugh out loud, and I say it reverently, if there's such a thing as holy laughter, I get tickled every time I look at old Elijah and Elisha. Now, uh, Elisha, Elijah asked Elisha a question. He said, ask what I shall do for thee. Now, Eldridge, that'd be a, boy, that'd be a bad question to ask a lot of preachers nowadays. I, uh, you ask a preacher nowadays, he said, hey, what can I, what shall I do for you? He said, do you know any churches around anywhere that are able to pay a good salary and take care of the man, uh, so-called man of God? You see, uh, not many preachers are willing to serve God and sacrifice at the same time. Not many preachers, bless your heart, who will go anywhere unless they know beforehand how much money, how much income they're going to have. I heard about a man the other day. Listen, a man told me Friday, 
fellow told me Friday about a young man who just graduated from college and he's going into a church as a youth director just just to work with the youth that, that's all he does not pastor not choir director not in it, just youth director that's all he's doing they're going to pay him twenty six thousand dollars a year they're going to furnish him with a new automobile and they're going to give him a house to live in with all of his utilities paid and they're going to take care of all of his insurance, his social security, everything for him and he's just going to be a youth director. All there, you know, I, I mean, listen, just starting off, just starting off. Listen, men don't want to sacrifice. Now, old Elijah he asked, uh, uh, just think about it, little old preacher. He asked him, he said, I'll tell you what I want. I want a double portion. Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. Elisha said, you better believe it. I meant to. You say, that's not in the scripture what it is in my version. I, I, I like it. I like, I like the brashness of that, that young preacher. He said, I, I want a double portion. Now, you think about it. How many miracles did Elijah perform? He performed eight Miracles. That's how many. You go back and count them up. How many miracles did uh, Elisha perform? He performed 16. He performed exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah did. I think God sort of looked down and said, Hey, if that little old farmer boy hadn't got any more sense and any, any more sense than to ask for all that power, I believe I'll give it to him. And so exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah had. He made up his mind. He was determined. Now, notice the conversation between these two fellows. Uh, the Bible says, now tarry here. Elijah says, now tarry here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Now, Bethel means the house of bread. And I imagine old Elisha said, yeah, I know about you preachers. You're going down there and get some bread from heaven. And he said, I'm going with you. And he said, I'll, I'll just tag along. And then Elisha looked back at him again. And he said uh, a little bit later, he said, now tarry here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Now, Jericho, it was a wicked place. That, by the way, that's where preachers ought to go. Amen. You know, the preachers ought to go to people in sin. Preachers ought to go to people who need help. The man of God needs to have uh, have people to have access to him, you know. Oh, listen, every city, Beckley, West Virginia, Princeton, West Virginia, Oak Hill, West Virginia, every city on the face of the map in this state needs a man of God, a man of God, that will be accessible to the people that they can come by and see him. And then after a little while, Elijah said, hey, I'm going over Jordan. Now, Elisha done been down there to Jordan. And Brother Bernie, he didn't see any bridges down there. And I got to imagine in the back of my mind, he said, hey, I wonder how he's going to cross over that Jordan River. This is one show I don't want to miss. And so Elisha said, hey, I'm going to tag along with him. So Elisha stayed there. You see, Elijah had told him, said, hey, uh, you've asked a hard thing, but if you're here when I'm taken from you, I'll give it to you. You'll get the power if you see me taken from you. And Elisha stuck with him, Brother Bob, like quite all right. I mean, everywhere Elijah went, Elisha was with him. Why? Because he's determined. He wanted the power of God on his life. 
And when he was taken up, the mantle fell. Old Elisha picked it up. And uh, he had to get back across the Jordan River. Now, we already said there ain't no bridges down there. He just walked across with Elijah on dry ground. He had seen old Elijah part the waters of the Jordan River and cross over. Now he had to get back on the other side. And all those sons of the prophets were out there. And those preachers were looking. And old, old Elisha picked up that mantle, walked down to the brink of the Jordan River and took that mantle struck it down across that water and cried, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And dry, and old Elisha walked over. That was the beginning of 16 miracles that he performed. He was a man that majored on miracles. He, he was a little bit like the black preacher. black preacher was standing one day, and a man said, Do you believe uh, in miracles? He said, Yes, sir. He said, do you believe in the supernatural? He said, yes, sir. He said, tell me. He said, if God told you to walk through that brick wall over there, would you do it? He said, yes, sir. He said, it'd be God's business to put a hole in it. Just be my business to walk through it, you see. Now, uh, Elisha was a man who believed in miracles and majored on miracles. You say, are you talking about the supernatural? Amen. Are you talking about something out of the ordinary? Amen. I'm talking about miracles that are foreign to the mind of most people in this world today. I'm talking about things that God Almighty alone, the Bible says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Right here at Emmanuel, this church is a miracle church. When I came here in 1979, this church here was within 15 days of foreclosure with the Bank of Raleigh. We had property valued at $435,000. We had this building, we had that house next door, the house back up here, $435,000. We owed $135,000 at the Bank of Rock. We had about 30 people on a good Sunday coming. That's counting children too. Our offerings were around $250 to $300, maybe $350 on a good Sunday. First of the month Sunday. Now it doesn't take long to figure up. We had one bill that was $1,295 every month at the Bank of Rock. If you got $250-$300 coming in every week and there's four weeks in the month you can't even pay that one bill, much less the light bill, the water bill, and the heat bill. And it was wintertime in, in, uh, in West Virginia, and it was cold. This building was not insulated like it is now. Uh, all of this pattern and insulation wasn't in here. All of the heat ducts, uh, 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 vents around the back of the church was not in here. People used to freeze to death. There's an old wood stove where Lee uh, is sitting back there. And uh, I used to have to get up and come down in the middle of the night 
and stole that old wood wood stove. And I thought, my, there's got to be a better way than this. And I, if you don't think that'll drive you to your knees, you try it for a little while. I reminded God about how he'd open up the Jordan River for this preacher, Elijah and Elisha. I reminded God of all that he'd done for the nation of Israel. I reminded God that he, and he already knew it, but I, I just for my own self, I said, dear God, you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or we can ask. And I said, dear God, when I left South Carolina, I sold the house that you helped me get there. And I said, I made some money off of it. And I said, by your grace, I paid every bill that I owe in South Carolina. By your grace, I don't owe anything in this world. And dear God, I want to remind you today that I didn't have anything to do with this debt. I didn't make this debt. I didn't sign those papers. I said, those men went over there trusting you. I said, dear God, I want to remind you today that it's not my name that it stayed. And it's not the name of these nations. It's not the name of the membership. I don't have any miracles in my briefcase. Bless God, you better get a few. I hear men say sometimes, there's nothing miraculous about my ministry. Well, bless God, you better have something about your ministry that is miraculous. You better have the kind of ministry that is out of the ordinary. You better have a ministry that is saturated with the power of Almighty God. I'm saying we need some men who told God, divinely told. We need some men who believe in miracles. Listen, you read in your Bible about the story of old Naaman. Well, listen, those preachers back there, they believed in miracles. You say, well, Brother Bill, do you believe in miracles? Yes. You got the miracles in your briefcase? Yes. Yes. I'm saying to you this morning, bless your heart, the greatest, the greatest, the most wonderful thing in this world is to be a man called of God to serve Him.